Hello and welcome to episode one of the TGM podcast. Surprise! <laughs> so, uh, if you've been listening over the past couple of weeks, we've been mentioning that we've been looking for some feedback on ways to switch up the format of the show. One of the ideas we mentioned in the show notes last week was the idea of combining both the, the TA podcast and the TT podcast together, since most of the games we'll probably be discussing on multi-platform anyway. It doesn't really matter, but you'll just get the odd bit of PlayStation news. Nothing drastic, mainly still what you've been listening to, so it's all good. The response to that was pretty positive, so we're going to give it a go this week. Again, we welcome any feedback from today's show, so let us know in the comments or tweet us if uh, there's anything you like, don't like, and all that kind of stuff, and we'll keep looking to iterate on what we're doing and try and make it as good as possible. So that means today I'm joined by Ollie. Hello. Hello. You all right? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Good. And then we have our resident now PlayStation expert, Sam. <laughs> Hello. Hi. I'm not a PlayStation expert yet. I only I only betrayed everyone about a year ago, so uh, I'm still working up to it. <laughs> But no doubt, if you listen to uh, the Playlist podcast, you'll have heard him on there. Hell He's yeah. been on here before. So nothing really changing. Just a, the odd sprinkle of PlayStation news, which I know a lot of people on both consoles. So yeah, we've, hopefully uh, you'll get a lot out of it. It was just upgraded from um, Jack to Sam. So. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. I'm going to tell him you said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the big thing today, the biggest piece of news are... The biggest game releasing is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm-hmm. It's a game that I've been playing for about a week now. Our site review went up early this morning. I gave it a four and a half out of five, which was, I think, the same score that I gave Origins last year. I think it kind of iterates on what Origins did well and kind of added in some new elements. Sam, you've been playing it a little bit as well. Yeah, so I got the... Um... I got myself the early access uh, version because I'm a bit of a Assassin's Creed fan, and I always end up with end up buying all the DLC anyway. So I thought I might as well get the fancy edition that comes with all that. But um, yeah. but yeah, I guess the main thing for me so far is just it's even compared to Origins, it's taken so long to kind of get anywhere. There's so much to do, and like I feel like the whole game is bigger and longer. I think I mean I've played for. I reckon three or four hours now, and I've only just left the first island. Um, and the map is kind of because it's the Greek islands, like it's there. There's all just sorts of little, little islands all about the place. But you start on you start on the main characters like home island, and then eventually like stuff happens that makes you need to leave. And I've only just got to like that. What I think of as like the opening, the opening yeah. incident, and it's been like four hours already. So I found that kind of kind of interesting. I think I clocked in when I finished the main story, I was like 46, nearly 47 hours. Mm. So uh, let's go through some of the, the things that they've changed this time. So the big difference straight off the bat is you now have the choice of choosing a male or female protagonist to play as. Mm-hmm. Both are basically identical characters. It's just obviously a different voice acting and look and feel. There's no quest changes or massive differences but i think it's good that there's a choice there for you know that people have been asking for a a female assassin 
as like the main character for quite a while, haven't they? I know they did it a bit with Evie and Syndicate, but that was kind of switching between the two constantly throughout. So which one have you gone with? Uh, I went with Cassandra um, just because I, I prefer the voice actor. It's actually what ended up happening to me with um, with Mass Effect as well, is that I kind of found the male voice actor in Mass Effect a bit boring um, and I kind of preferred the voice for the for the female shepherd. So that's how I ended up doing it. And I guess like that's the main thing for me so far with this is that I feel like Ubisoft have kind of taken the Bioware approach of being like, you know what, play whoever you want to be. Like you can kind of romance whoever you like and you can be whichever gender you like. I think, I think rather than trying to like irritate anyone or like, or, you know, like pick a side, I think they've done the best thing, which is just like, you know what, do, do what you, you feel like, which I think is good. I read that there's a lot of uh, romantic options in this game mm-hmm. compared to uh, previous Assassin's Creed games. The, the the last AC game I played, I don't think there was really any choice about that kind of stuff. So well, the, yeah. there's been no choice really. So so the, the, it seems like choice has been like the big kind of mm. thing they've built the game around. So they've obviously used the foundation of Origins, the combat, and the the hood and all that kind of stuff is similar. Even the world's quite similar, except it's surrounded by water instead of desert, mm. I'd say. But choice is like the key to everything. So now you've got the conversation choices, which I've found to be okay. Like if you don't want to get involved in it, you can just kind of say, okay, I'll get going now yeah, and, and not bother with that. Or you can go a bit more in depth. And sometimes that might be just finding out a character's intentions for sending you on a quest or finding out a bit about their backstory, which I think is good for the people who want to delve deeper. If you don't want to, you don't have to. The romance, I've found, have you come across any romantic options yet? Yeah, I mean, obviously, because I'm looking at it from like a uh, efficient way to get trophies perspective. Um, I like I looked out for like the first option to go to, and I know that um, Odessa in like the yeah. first island, I know she's an option, but I haven't got to the point of of where like that kind of comes to fruition. But yeah, I kind of already realizing that like, depending on what I say is going to affect whether that kind of goes anywhere later on, which is, which is kind of cool. I mean, I'm, I'm used to that anyway, because I've always liked like at least lightweight RPGs, like not like massive stuff, but stuff like um, the Bioware games and stuff. I've always kind of enjoyed that anyway. So it's all good for me. It just seems a bit forced to me. It doesn't seem, like, you know, you, you, there's no kind of relationship building between two characters or even, you know, like any straight up lust. It's just like yeah. really weird innuendos kind of hinting, let's go and get busy. Yeah. But but strange times. So like that Odessa, like I don't want to spoil it, but there's, there's later on these points where you're being asked to do things for her. She's like, you know, go and kill this person. And rather than going... Yeah, all right. You're going, come on, shall we go to bed? It's like, it just seems like <laughs> odd times that you get the option to say these things. It doesn't feel natural at all. But it's the first time they've attempted anything like this. So hopefully they kind of, you know, learn from it as they go forwards and it'll kind of improve for future releases. Because I can, I can only imagine that the conversation stuff will stay because it seems integral to what they're doing now. Like, yeah. That links into one of the questions we got. Sorry to interrupt. Okay. But he says um, that one of the new biggest features about AC Odyssey is the power of choice. And would you like to see more choice in future installments, basically? And I think you're basically saying, yeah, you would. And yeah, I think I agree. I mean, if it's done badly, then no. But if they're trying it out and can iterate on it, then um, I think it's only a good thing. 
the majority of what they've done, they've done well. Like it seems natural. There's even a new mode. I don't know which mode you're playing in, Sam. There's a mode where you can either play in exploration or guided mode, which mm-hmm. I think, again, is a really good option for players. So if you play it in guided mode, it's just like playing Origins, basically, where you get given a quest and the location on the map will be marked and you just kind of head over there and you can use like your Icarus, which is your eagle, to scout around and find maybe you know characters who you need to assassinate or things that you need to pick up. But in exploration mode, it's like none of that exists at all. You have to ask the person giving you the question, you know, whereabouts is it? What do they look like? How do you know what am I doing? And then you've got to go off and totally explore the map and try and figure out. I mean, it's, you can kind of figure it out because there's obviously question marks on the map. Yeah. Do you know for key points that you need to visit and stuff? So you can kind of get a rough idea, but it's not specifically like here it is. This is it. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of just basically gets rid of the the main waypoint, doesn't it? Like for, yeah. for getting to the quest, you have to just kind of go in the general direction that they that they suggest, which is I, I think it's kind of cool. I I I've done a bit of both. I started with no help whatsoever, but. Then I realised that I think that's probably why it took me four hours to get off the first island. Um, I don't have that much time, I, so I kind of had to like switch it back on to be like, okay, I need to get the story going. And I kind of like the fact that I could turn that back off again later if I want to change things up later on. Um, so I definitely like the amount of. I mean, I think this year particularly, like loads and loads of games have really pushed forward with that, like with giving as many options as possible to customise how you want the game to kind of go um like god of war spider-man shadow of the tomb raider and now assassin's creed it seems like everyone has suddenly clicked onto this kind of fashion of going okay how do you want the combat to go how do you want the exploration to go like as as kind of separate sliders as opposed to just being like do you want it easy medium or hard um yeah. which I, I quite like because you know again the options are there you don't have to use them like, if you prefer to just do whatever the developers kind of set up as the default you can but if you're finding that you're struggling to get through something, you can always just kind of shift things up a bit. At the end of the day, it's a it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think uh, it comes down to how like the reason you're playing the game in the first place. Yeah. Like if you if you just want to, to to like have a bit of a hack and slash style RPG like light RPG thing going, then you can have that. But if you want something a bit deeper, I'm not saying that this good like the deepest RPG ever, but no. if you want to like try and extract information out of people or use your intuition or whatever to try and work things out then you can which is something i like doing so if i if i if i pick it up i'll probably try that although if it takes you four hours to get off the first island then maybe i won't i mean i was was playing at like one in the morning so you know there are other factors as well (laughs) i was the same because i was obviously we got the codes and then there was an issue with the code and then i actually managed to start playing it i think I think he might have been Monday last week. Right. So I'd already missed like the embargo. So so I just wanted to try and you know get through it in like a timely manner while still experiencing everything it had to to offer. Sure. So as the same, I played with exploration mode, and to be honest, I didn't. I understand why it's there, and I think it's a great addition for people who want that. But for my style of gaming, it's just not like I, I don't traditionally like proper rpgs and stuff like that so i just switched it back onto guided and found that suited me more <laughs> than bouncing around the map everywhere trying to find one person and things like that uh, let's talk about some other changes very early in the game i think the intro for the game you, you um do the the 300 spartans yeah. battle yeah 
Uh, that's kind of a recurring mechanic throughout the game, those big, huge set-piece battles where, I don't know, there must be 100-plus different characters on the screen. Mm. And you kind of get to choose which faction of the, the war that's going on you fight for. I thought those were, were really good. Like They look brilliant, and you, you have to kind of go after some of the higher-level lieutenants and captains and things, you know, to try and turn the tide in your team's direction, basically. But it was really at odds with some other parts of the game. So when you do this, there's no kind of consequence afterwards. You know, just Mm. the battle's over, you get some nice loot, and then the world carries on with a different ruler or the same ruler ruling that particular island that you're fighting on. Mm. There's nothing really changes in the world, but then there's some small like side quest that you do where you get an option to do one way or the other and that'll impact the actual look of the area or you know give you a consequence later on i'm trying not to spoil it for people (laughs) so i'll try to be really vague but like i think there was a trailer released this week so i could talk about this one because the trailer showed it's really early in the game you might have done it already so Mm. there's a a quest early on where you have to go to this village that's kind of been ravaged by a plague mm. and there's a, a youngish looking family and there's some priest and some soldiers there wanting to kill this family. And their reasoning is to obviously to stop the plague spreading, spreading. And you have a choice then of do you let them crack on and kill the family or do you save the family? So I just, without any kind of thought or anything into it, because I didn't realise that the consequences and choices and things were so big at the time. I just was like, right, I'll save them. So I saved them, and they were like, oh, we're probably not that bad. We'll go and see a doctor or something. It'll be great. And then a few hours later, like, you'd totally forgotten about this thing, and you get back on your ship, and the captain of the ship went, oh, Kefalonia's, like, been ravaged. The whole island's dying from the plague mm-hmm. now. And it's like, oh, right. <laughs> didn't realize that at the time so it's weird how this little side quest had such a big impact like you get get told and if you go back to the island you know it looks a bit different and you can see that people are struggling and things but then you do these big raging battles that that look epic and they're really fun to take part in and then nothing happens to the world afterwards it's like okay Mm. i think I, i think that's probably i guess that might be partly because like because they're trying to be a bit historically accurate because like this is the interesting thing for me with this one is that for the first time in a while I actually kind of know the history a bit of the time that they're doing and I wonder whether with the big battle stuff they can't have it have too much impact because they are still trying to pretend that this is vaguely historical yeah um, but even something like like save far honor you, you know you like yeah. you win one faction and the map will change sure. you know Banners will change and stuff like that. But, I mean, they will do it with the little castles and things like that, or forts and things that you go to in Assassin's Creed. But you're still riding around, and they're still both soldiers, you know, kind of plodding around yeah. the towns. And they don't seem to be fighting or anything. They're just kind of getting on with their own thing and stuff. And it's like, it just seems at odds with that something doesn't change that seems so epic and built up at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Does it have mythological elements in it? Like, is there actually, like, fantasy in it? I have no idea. Um, there is, but it's very, very endgame. So this is another big difference, that normally you play an Assassin's Creed and the present day and the quest or the journey that the main character's going on is all kind of one thing, central storyline. And once you finish one bit, you finish the game. This has got, like, these three 
weaving story arcs that kind of sometimes overlap and then don't. So you've got Cassandra or Alexios's kind of main quest, which is, as Sam said earlier, something happens at the beginning of the game and it's kind of her seeking questions and trying to get back home. And then that intertwines with this mysterious cult that gets found, which they're very clear isn't the Templars because this is obviously set 400 years before Origins first introduced Templars and Assassins last year. Mm. So it's a bit of a weird disconnect from the franchise completely in that sense. But there's this weird cult, and you might come across some characters and some of them will be involved in like the war and the oppression and stuff that's going on. But then once you've finished the main storyline of Cassandra getting home, you've still got this whole separate quest line for the cult to kind of find the cult and kill the cult. And then on top of that, you've also got the present day stuff, but that's really light. There's only, I think I've seen, she's called, she's called Layla, isn't she? Yeah. She was introduced in Origins. I've seen her twice. Once was early on and once was, I don't know, maybe about 10 hours into the game. Mm. And then you kind of get another quest that you can do afterwards, but it's like, I mean, you've probably all seen the trailers. There's like a Medusa in there. Right. So, but you got to be like level fifty to fight them. So they're like, it's like they've improved the end game from Origins. Once the story finished, it was just like a, a free roam basically to go and do mop up stuff if you wanted to. Whereas this seems like these three separate things, and they all finish at different times of the game, kind of thing. Hmm. Which I thought was cool. Yeah, I don't, and I I don't mind. Like I know a lot of people like. They'll complain about Assassin's Creed, whatever way they do it. Like they'll take away some of the future stuff. They'll try and be more realistic. They're adding fantasy stuff. I'm kind of just there for the ride, really. Like I don't think about it too much. Uh, If it's got some cool fights with the Medusa, that's fine. I don't care if it doesn't really make a lot of sense at this point. It's just become like a popcorn kind of game, really. I mean, even the first Assassin's Creed is based not like exactly believable. No, no, of course, (laughs) yeah. The series has kind of branched out. And like I said, this is kind of, if it wasn't for the present day element that's in there and the, the odd mention to a first civilization and stuff like that, this would just be a really cool game set in the Greek, in Greek islands with the war raging. Like, yeah. it, it's not connected really in any way, but I don't think that's a bad thing that the game's awesome. I don't think, I think I always enjoyed the history elements and playing, yeah. you know, the sword fighting and traveling around Rome and Egypt and all these different places more than being really involved in like the, the lore of it all and the first civilization stuff anyway. Yeah. And I'm sure that like probably the people that are really into that, they're going to go through the game and they'll probably spot loads of little Easter eggs and stuff that points towards that stuff that we might not pick up on anyway, because it's not as important. There's definitely one that I've noticed like, you know, the, the Spartan ships, Mm. their kind of flag looks like the, you know, the little triangle bit on the assassins. Ah, uh, okay. Right. It kind of, it, it hint, it looks similar to that. Yeah. And it is like a little things like that kind of hint. And it's still, you, even though you haven't got a hidden blade, you've got a piece of a spear that kind of acts like a hidden blade, but it isn't. So it, it's similar gameplay, but without being any timeline in Assassin's Creed for some reason. Yeah. Fair enough. Other changes I noticed was the combat. How are you getting on with that, Sam? Um, I'm finding it difficult to adjust to, but I think that's because I've been playing quite like it, it kind of it's kind of in the middle ground. Like I've been playing a lot of really easy combat and a lot of quite like careful yeah. combat. I find this is weirdly in the middle and I kind of find it hard to adjust to like sometimes you have to be 
like quite specific in your movements, but you don't have to be like all Dark Souls about it. Like you don't have to be like super on top of it either. So I guess once I unlock more skills, I'll probably feel a bit more comfortable with it. Again, like I started playing it on like the medium difficulty mm. and then just for time I moved it down to easy. Yeah. And I was still getting smashed in some fights yeah. as well. I kind of figured out what to do. But like you say, once you start unlocking abilities and things like that, it definitely gets easier. Yeah. Uh, but let's go through some of the changes that so you haven't got a shield this time like you did in origins so you can't just kind of hold lb and just kind of stand there and let them hit you and then counter mm. you've you've got to either parry and if you time a parry kind of perfectly it'll knock them back and you can you know it might stun them for a second mm. the rolling around and stuff like that i think that seems more it feels tighter than it was in Origins, yeah. like dodging out the way. The lock on things, so there's like if you point, I think you press the right stick in, mm. you can kind of lock on specific enemies and you can kind of move it around just by moving the right stick. That feels a lot tighter than it did in Origins because mm. I really struggled with that. Yeah, I agree, yeah. And then the actual skills that you get throughout the game, rather than being like an overall skill that you have at all times, there is some that still do that, like they'll give you a buff in, you know, damage or assassination kind of kills but then there's there's others that you assign to kind of four slots for melee and four slots for ranged mm. so you've got to you kind of experiment and pick out the ones you like like the health ones are godsend so i'm definitely get that one <laughs> <laughs> and you can kind of trigger these when you build up a bit of adrenaline by landing some hits of your own so i just found the combat just felt a lot more kind of thought out and be, nuanced basically you know yeah I, I enjoyed the combat in Origins, but this just felt a lot tighter. Yeah, like they didn't break. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't help but unlock the Spartan kick as soon as as soon as it started because <laughs> I wanted to boot people off of the cliff. Um, that was the most important thing to me. Um, but yeah, I, th- I I settled on I had uh, the health one because that's amazing. Yeah, the the shield break again. That's another godsend because yeah. you used to just be able to press B. Yep. I think it was in Origins and you kind of smash into somebody and knock the shield out of their hand yeah. on, make them move it. There's none of that. So shield break is amazing. The Spartan kick, just because it's epic. And there's like a ground pound one. So if there's loads of people around you, you can kind of smack the floor and they'll all kind of topple over. Yeah. And it helps a bit. But yeah, and I suppose the biggest difference to Origins is obviously this, the, the naval aspect has mm-hmm. returned. Is that something that you enjoyed in the previous games or...? I mean, I, I, I can never decide which one's my favourite out of the old games, but Black Flag is always up there. I like, yeah. but I think it's almost less the fact that it's naval and more that it's pirates. So yeah. I guess the fact that this isn't like, doesn't really have the pirate aspect, it's just like another way to get from A to B. So far, it hasn't seemed that interesting to me, but then I've only just kind of got out onto the water, so I don't really know. It doesn't seem like it's as much of a like big sea to kind of explore and find hidden stuff as Black Flag was, but I'm, I might no, be wrong. No, there's definitely not. Do you know those tiny little islands yeah. that are everywhere in Black Flag? See, I, I wasn't... I, I liked the sailing in Black Flag, but I just couldn't be bothered with... <laughs> there was too much of it. Travelling took a while, didn't it? Yeah, it, it Too much to see and navigate to, and then you get attacked by ships and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it definitely seems like it's the, the same basic mechanics of you know firing arrows, throwing javelins, and ramming other ships to combat them. But there's a, a few things you can do, like you can up, up, there's more options, you know, for upgrading your ship as you kind of progress through the game. Yeah. There's uh, lieutenants who you can pick up. So when you go to a fort and there's like a, a higher level, like yellow boss, rather than 
killing them if you kind of knock them out instead you can say come and join my ship and sometimes they will sometimes they won't mm -hmm. and then when they join your ship they'll give you different buffs like you know more fire damage or more arrow damage and stuff like that mm -hmm. so i don't know it's like the it's slightly different i suppose but i'm not really a huge fan of the sailing it just takes too long to navigate around the first thing i do on every island is unlock a, a fast travel point by synchronizing something so i don't have to sail there again <laughs> some of the some of them are like there was one mission i was doing the other night and randomly it was one woman she gave me loads of tasks and you kind of go back each time you've done one and then i kept doing all these tasks and the very last one she disappeared to a different island completely <laughs> and my ship was docked at pretty much the other side of the map so it took me like 10 minutes of sailing across the map so <laughs> so it was like i'll head in the general direction go and make a cup of coffee and then see where I'm at when I come back. It's, I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. It's too long. But. Yeah, that's fair enough. Sorry, I was going to say, because I know um, at, at King of Chickens on Twitter asked us like whether they improve on anything or what's what's missing, if anything. I think the one thing that I noticed with it is straight away when you first uh, kind of smash into the Athenian barricade, like when you first get on the ship yeah, um, yeah. and then you do the boarding. So you still board like you do in Black Flag. But the main thing I noticed there was I always used to hate how you had the same three little cutscenes and loading bits when you tried oh, to yeah, do the yeah, boarding yeah. in Black Flag. This time, you just, you just, as soon as you start to board, you can just jump straight off the ship and onto the other ship, get rid of everyone, and then just jump straight back on your ship. There's no, none of that kind of awkward, like, here's a summary of all the loot you got and, you know, uh, all <laughs> that kind of rubbish. Like, and you don't have to make any like, decisions about, um, like, whether, you, how you choose that ship to, like, what you want a, that ship to do after you've captured it. This time you just kind of there's actually a just a as there's a combat mechanic if you use Spartan kick to knock someone down you can while they're on the floor you can rather than kill them you can say hey do you want to join my team just kind of automatically yeah, yeah. straight in the um straight in in the kind of flow of the gameplay rather than kind of going off to a little menu so I definitely feel like a lot of the like traversal like that it's a lot smoother you just kind of you do just kind of launch straight onto a boat sail out hit something board it get rid of the crew get back on your boat and keep going you don't have to kind of like deal with too many menus and stuff so i guess that's probably the main improvement i've seen so far it's arguable but it's kind of like them trying to add too many features to the game mm. and like they've had a lot of different iterations of Assassin's Creed, which all do different, slightly different things. Yeah, and they've had Black Flag, which was obviously all about sailing. Mm. And I, don't know, I think may, maybe it's just the case that they're in 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 the in Origins they were trying to add too many different little things to the game, which you know is a, is an admirable, you know, it's an admirable thing to try and do, but it's not always the right thing to do. That's my view. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I think that they've definitely since since Origins and and definitely so far with Odyssey, they've I've noticed a change towards trying to make things a bit smoother, like rather than just kind of lumping loads and loads of stuff in. Um, loads of stuff. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I definitely think it's going in the, in the right direction as as long as they kind of keep up the choice stuff, you know, so you can kind of still choose to play it like you would have done Origins if you don't want to do the full blown. RPG stuff because there's going to be some people who aren't going to want to change. Obviously, mm. some people will embrace it and go with it. But as long as they kind of can provide both, then I think it'll be a pretty solid future for it. Considering I've always enjoyed most, I don't think there's an Assassin's Creed game I've hated. No, 
you know, there's, there's definitely been some better than others, but I would have carried on playing it regardless, even if it was kind of where it was. So, But with the change, it's really kind of impressed me of where it's going, which brings me on to a question of my own. Cause I, have you played... I'll ask Sam, because I know you haven't played Origins and Odyssey yet, Ollie. Mm-hmm. Have you played Witcher 3? Yes. Right, so well, I try not to read any reviews or anything like that, you know, of a game I'm reviewing myself yeah. until afterwards to see if my kind of, see where, where, where my opinions are with others. Yeah. And I know it's a lot of people in the summaries on Open Critic this morning, a lot of them were saying, you know, this stands up as a, any, against any open world RPG as like a, you know, a spectacular game and stuff like that. So I've always said I hate RPGs, but I certainly enjoyed a lot of stuff in Origins and Odyssey. So, how different is it than The Witcher 3? So I think that Odyssey has learned a lot of stuff from The Witcher, like in terms of um, like that example you gave about the um, early quest where it has a big consequence that you wouldn't have seen coming. That's a, right. that's that's basically why everyone loved The Witcher 3. Like it's because it had these side quests that seemed really innocuous and then you'd go back later and like something was devastated or like a load of people hate you that you weren't expecting to um that's kind of the whole um reason why people found the narrative of witcher so like uh enthralling but odyssey has much smoother kind of um integration of its rpg mechanics i i mean the witcher it it can be a pain to traverse and it can be a pain to work out what you're doing in all the menus um there's right. there's quite a lot of like potions and skills and and uh, different bits of equipment and and while you can ignore a lot of it on the easier modes it's still a little bit of a, a little bit more of a slog to get your head around a lot of it um i think to be honest if you like odyssey the next step for me would be to probably go to god of war because that's another um like lightweight rpg in terms of the way that the mechanics work and it's got a similar amount of like, you know, assigning different abilities to different triggers and um, like the way you assign your skills is similar, but without kind of going into full blown RPG like um, like The Witcher or Skyrim. Um, so, yeah, I think I think what we're probably seeing is like people are learning from The Witcher, but they're kind of adapting it still and evolving it. I don't think you'd nec- I wouldn't necessarily recommend that you go back and play all the RPGs you never played because Odyssey is like an evolution of of some of the lessons they've learned from those games rather than like, I think if you took a step back you might find actually no I still don't like all these old RPGs because they've got like a <laughs> lot of like awkward menus and like a lot of fantasy kind of stuff that you're probably not necessarily going to like as well um I definitely think Odyssey's got a good marriage of like the old-fashioned historical combat with all the RPG stuff there's a lot of um, dialogue in The Witcher as well um i mean some quests you can i'm pretty sure some quests you can entirely just complete by dialogue yeah um which you know would turn people off it sounds turn some people off but you know if you're there to get immersed in the world and whatever then it's you know it's something you might like but i think maybe sorry go on the witcher might be a game to try on the playstation where i'm not fussed about you know how many trophies I've earned or anything like that. Like everything I do on the Xbox, I'm, I'm always got an eye on achievements. Whereas, oh, it's a pain PS4, to complete. I, yeah. So I would, I could I just would, play yeah. it without fussing about what I'm doing. And then if I don't like it, I can just drop it and think, okay, I tried it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than be worried about trying to force myself to play a few more hours to get some more achievements. This links well into our um, question of the week, which comes from Kurt okay. Souls. 
So congratulations to you. And you said, with the last couple of Assassin's Creed becoming more RPG and less stealth, what is your favorite game series that changed genres? Um, which I understand we're probably going to be moving away from Assassin's Creed by talking about this, but um, we can just mention a couple because we've mentioned God of War already. Mm. I think that's quite a good answer because God of War has kind of undergone this similar thing to uh, AC where they're kind of adding these more like loot based RPG elements on top of it. I think as Sam said, it's I think Sam said earlier, it's something that's happening to a few different games at the moment. Yeah. I mean, the main thing I would say to that question is that I don't think Assassin's Creed has changed genre in terms of like, it's never been fully stealth. I know it's been a lot more stealth in the past, but it's never been like a proper, uh, you know, a lot of like stealth fanatics have always kind of dismissed it as like, it's not proper stealth. Um, I think yeah. what they've done is that, that they have evolved and added more RPG elements over time. And I think that there's plenty of series that have done that really well as well. Like, um, I think probably the closest is Metal Gear Solid with Metal Gear Solid 5, like opening up into an open world and giving you more freedom of choice to to um, to kind of approach things how you want to, um, as opposed to being like very linear. Um, and as I said earlier, God of War has kind of gone from being a very kind of um, very heavily combat focused like uh, action game into being more of a kind of slightly more ponderous open world, like choose how you want to play. If you can't tackle this guy now, maybe come back later when you've leveled up kind of game. And I think really that's the way a lot of AAAs are going, even Spider-Man as well, you know, has gone into that route of like, hey, if you're struggling with this, why don't you go and do a bunch of stuff and then come back later and you'll be buffed up. You'll have loads of skills in your skill tree and you'll have found yeah. some new armor or whatever. Um, it seems to be changing a lot of games for the, better i would say on the whole although you don't want everything to be the same obviously yeah you don't want everything to be an open world like light rpg at no the end of the day. no um, i think it's just like as the tech's gotten better there's like no excuse not to make a game open world for mm. some developers it's like well we've got the tech and this is this console can handle it so let's just have this in this huge world but yeah i think it, it worked in terms of assassin's creed it's always been open world so it's you know it's it's what it should be doing is having these so, yeah, one game that did a good switch to open world maybe too good because it was too big was um the last ghost recon game mm. it went from like a, a linear kind of story based shooter to like this mass sprawling huge sort of like assassin's creed odyssey level style of world it was probably too big they didn't quite nail it because you know it got quite repetitive and yeah. stuff like that that's the the drawback in it when you get an open world game and you get all this choice and loads of things to do, but then you kind of lose the structure that, you know, having a, just a, a kind of linear like COD style campaign brings. So I think people struggle with that, try to get it right. I think as well, like on the narrative side, it can be tricky because like the more you open up choice, like the harder it is to wrap things up in a way that everyone's satisfied with. I mean, saw that obviously with Mass Effect, like the more you... In, invite this kind of like rpg style choice into your narrative however the developers decide to end it someone's not going to be satisfied because they're like well i i set things up i made these choices and you haven't given me an ending that's like satisfying for me and and even as you were saying dave with odyssey like when you're given so much choice in so many of the side quests it feels weird to you to not have that impact like the big battles and stuff and i think yeah that's always going to be a, a struggle when when games try and like switch genres to give a bit more 
like player choice is that it's going to like probably dilute the ability for the developers to tell whatever the story is that they want to tell. Um, so that's always going to be a tricky thing, I think. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what the games of the future do in terms of that stuff. Cause I, for one, wouldn't like, I mean, everyone agrees that they wouldn't want every game to be an open world game. Like for some genres, like some styles of game, it just doesn't really work. Yeah. But yeah, we've got one more question about Assassin's Creed. Um, okay. We had a lot of Assassin's Creed questions this week, <laughs> as you can imagine. Uh, and he says, uh, Sonic Rich, his name is, and he says, uh, where would you like the AC series to go next location-wise? Um, and I know, for me, when I saw the trailer at um, E3, mm-hmm. and I saw it was going to be in ancient Greece, I thought to myself, okay, so we've had Origins, which is uh, ancient Egypt, and mm-hmm. we've had ancient Greece now. How many ancient civilizations can they, you know, use? Yeah. To, um, There's still quite a few in there. They haven't done anything around, you know, I don't know how ancient they can go, but you could. there's nothing from kind of South America yet, is there? No. No. You could do all, like, the, I don't, I don't know. Well, like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, like Aztec, Mayan kind of. Yeah, Aztec, Mayans, I don't know. How aspect of it. The timeline. My history is not strong enough to know. Yeah. Was that before or after Origins? Or oh, that would have been or? that would have been much later, I think. Because to be honest, Black Flag yeah, even think, but... kind of touched on it a little bit with the like Mayan ruins and stuff. But I think it's it's interesting. Like a lot of people say Japan, but um, yeah. now that we've got Ghost of Tsushima coming up oh, at yeah. some point on um, PlayStation, and the gameplay from that literally looks like Assassin's Creed, I'm kind of thinking maybe they don't want to like really going to mess with that for now until that game's out and has had like whatever kind of reaction it's going to have um because it's uh, it's from sucker punch you do um infamous so it's it's a very similar kind of prospect to assassin's creed um so that might be that might be a bit tricky for them i guess the other thing for me is maybe um ancient china as well like kind of like the dynasty warriors games but with more of an assassin's creed kind of slant to it because i know they did assassin's creed china chronicles but that was set quite a bit later on so maybe if they wanted to keep going with some of the mythical stuff they could look at look at maybe some of the eastern influences other than um other than japan but who knows everyone just seems to want everything set in japan that's where they wanted forza to be (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i think there's a good uh, there's a good set of mythology to access if you go to the eastern style stuff so I think, that's- I think that's probably the best thing about the game is the fact, you know, it's not set in any one time or location. They can pretty much go wherever they find interesting. And like, uh, this, so, uh, like I really liked kind of Egyptian kind of history and stuff. I was really into that. So mm. I loved that game. And then I didn't know a lot about the Greek stuff. So learning bits here and, you know, all the different characters and going, oh yeah, I've heard of him, and this is what he did now, and stuff like that. Because it's kind of like a little mini history lesson within a game. Yeah. That if you if you realize obviously that re- they weren't really helping assassins, and they just included them because they were cool, famous characters at the time. But it kind of look delve into some of the history that you learn in the game is really cool. So they've got so many options you can go to. Yeah. Yes. Um... There are infinite options almost. You could have Assassin's Creed in space eventually. <laughs> yep. Assassin's, Assassin's Creed Mars. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I remember people talking about like Assassin's Creed in World War Two and stuff. I don't want that. No. I, I, I like like the old school yeah. bow and arrow swords and that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't want to come too close in time. 
all right, I, I guess we, we've gone on for Odyssey for a good while. Yeah. It's a, I'd recommend it. If, definitely, if you enjoyed our regions, definitely worth checking out 100%. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, a surprising to me leak that kind of appeared this week, Sam. Yeah, so um, I posted this up on, on True Trophies um, when I saw it break on on the internet um, all over Reddit and everything else. So, yeah, um, a Harry Potter open world action RPG has been leaked. Um, basically, this came up on reddit someone who claimed to have gone to a focus test for a new game um he said that they told him that he'd be put under a non-disclosure agreement and he wasn't allowed to film but then no one actually stopped him or made him sign anything um (laughs) so he then posted a video on youtube which has now been taken down by warner brothers um of a very uh exciting looking harry potter open world rpg um or at least it looks open world anyway we're not that sure but yeah so it's um it's going to be published by Warner Brothers, who obviously own the Harry Potter franchise, uh, or well, they cover kind of you know looking after the films and everything else. Um, and it's going to be made by, it looks like it's going to be made by Avalanche Studios, which is not Avalanche Software, so it's not the same people that made Just Cause. Um, but I, I couldn't imagine that I'd be a, no, um, <laughs> I couldn't marry. no. But it's actually the people who made um, Disney Infinity, so it'd be interesting to oh, see. Okay. I guess I guess they're probably looking at it from the perspective of like younger kids are probably going to want to make want possibly play this, so maybe that's where they're coming in f- at it from. But who knows? Maybe there's going to be another horrifying toys to life gamble involved as well. You never know. I mean, it's Harry Potter, so they're going to want to try and sell some plastic, I'm sure. But um, but yeah, so it looks like um, yeah, you basically it looks like you're going to be choosing your own character. You're going to be setting up uh, as a student at Hogwarts um and choosing to go to lessons uh choosing which spells you learn um and the combat actually looks fairly uh intense like it's all kind of wand based uh magic combat um and there's shots of like uh you're like firing shots off into the walls and walls are crumbling and you're having like a big battle with some like orc like creatures and uh it looks like there might be some um flying involved there's a lot of creatures that that people will have seen from across the franchise, all the movie movies like Fantastic Beasts and um, and the actual main Harry Potter series seems to be covering everything. But I think the main thing is that it, it seems to be an entirely new uh, era and a new character. Like you're not you're not it's not a movie tie-in and it's not a book tie-in, which to be honest, I think has been a struggle with Harry Potter for a while. Is that like a lot of the games have been trying to slavishly follow like the the course of the movies and stuff um but this is set in the uh i think in the victorian period in the 1800s um which is before even the new fantastic beasts um movies have been so it's an entirely new kind of part of the harry potter universe so i'm sure jk rowling's involved in terms of like uh, setting up all the law but um but it looks like in terms of the actual plotting it might be a little bit a little bit different um getting away from some of the uh awkward acting and like terrible writing in some of the movies in my opinion uh might be quite good but yeah so it's it's certainly interesting and i know that the the rumors first started swirling back in 2017 because someone at warner brothers put out a post looking for a writer that had a deep understanding of british culture for a triple a rpg um british culture and grammar so a lot of people back then were like hmm what do warner brothers own that could be a triple A RPG that 
would need someone to have a deep understanding of how British people speak. Everyone kind of went, well, that's probably Harry Potter. So it looks like, it looks very likely that this is a, a real thing. I know that Kotaku and Eurogamer have both reached out to anonymous sources and, and got some kind of confirmation that this is happening. And I think uh, the working title apparently at the moment is Harry Potter Magic Awakened. So yeah, so it's worth, um, we'll post a link to the story, but it's worth looking at the, um, there's a second version of the video that's that's not on YouTube that hasn't been taken down yet. So it's worth having a look at that before that one gets taken down as well, if you're interested to see how, how this might work out. But certainly all the Potter heads I know in my life have gone crazy about this. So I can't imagine it won't be anything other than successful, uh, even if even if like hardcore gamers don't like something about it. In the end, it's going to be a massive Harry Potter game where people get to pick their school and like pick their house and stuff. And I just think mm-hmm. people are probably going to go crazy about it. I mean, it doesn't even look bad. Obviously, we've only seen one thing about it, but I don't really like Harry Potter either. And I, I didn't, you know, it looks pretty good. Like it looks yeah. like it can offer I, something good. Yeah. I've never seen or read anything of Harry Potter mm-hmm. and I don't like RPGs, but the way you <laughs> described it sounded like bully. Yeah, it definitely has some of that. that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, It certainly could definitely go that way because it's got like the whole class system and stuff. So, yeah, that could be interesting. Yeah, Uh, I'm down for that. Absolutely. (laughs) Another big thing that happened this week is the second gameplay trailer for Red Dead Redemption dropped on, I think, Tuesday. Yeah. I'm I'm guessing we've all seen it. Yep. How good does it look? It looks amazing. (laughs) Really good. Yeah, it's interesting for me because... The world is insane. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no. I, I, well, yeah, definitely I was going to say that. but Because um, I've been playing Red Dead Redemption a little bit for, for playlists last month. I never really fell in love with the first one. And I felt like I couldn't see the beauty in it that other people were seeing. Particularly like the visuals and like I wasn't that into the story. I didn't really... When, like is the that the first time you played it? No, playlist, no. Played I played it. it actually back when I first had a PS3 and I gave, I didn't even finish it. Um, so I went back and finished it, but I didn't, I never really connected with it, but so I've been a bit skeptical, but this new trailer does look pretty fantastic. Um, I must admit that the world is looking, uh, as Ollie said, a lot more kind of beautiful and rich. Um, and it's, it's certainly very tempting. One thing that I really noticed from, it, and it did say it was all gameplay didn't mm. it, when they were doing it. Yeah. Whenever I played a Rockstar game, like I don't know, the movements always seemed a bit stiff to me. Yeah, you know, like definitely when you like when you try to walk in a door with a step or something, you kind of bang it into it, <laughs> and they won't just kind of adjust or anything like that. And I found that the movement just looked so fluid when they were, you know, just walking around. It looked natural, and when he's jumping around and stuff, mm. I was like, this looks like they've nailed that. And that's that was always been my one kind of nagging thing with Rockstar again for just that movement and hopefully they've nailed it for this but I can't wait and we haven't got long it's this month yeah finally it's a few yeah, weeks away I take it is, is everybody going to be playing it yeah I think I I think I'll I will be yeah I mean it's yeah I imagine it's probably going to blow up um, and I'm particularly interested to see what the online section's like as well uh, whether that has the same kind of explosion as GTA Online whether they start to include some of that stuff um that they kind of introduced for gta 5 um, it seems like that everything that they showed in that trailer although it's obviously all the single player content the way that they presented it made me think that they're kind of teasing like you can like lower the train robberies for example i'm kind of thinking that they're they're 
teasing towards you'll be able to do yeah, this like, as a heist like in, the heist exactly. from gta yeah. yeah that'd be amazing yeah going hijacking a train be- yeah so I, I think that might be the bit that pulls me in because i it was the same with gta 5 i wasn't hugely interested in the main game but i did get quite sucked into gta online so that might be the bit that does it for me this time around uh what are the bets that they unveil a uh, battle royale uh, <laughs> <laughs> could be <Yeah>. could be <laughs> but yeah i can't wait for that end of this month i'm sure we'll be talking about that lots yeah in the coming weeks absolutely and it's worth mentioning as well we've got a um giveaway on true trophies for a copy of a playstation 4 copy of the uh of the game haven't we dave we have to get on that definitely well worth entering save yourself some money and it ends a couple of days before the game comes out so when it ends we will order it and have it shipped to your door ready for release day nice um, cool. So we've also had Games with Gold and PS Plus both land this week. New games are available for free if you're subscribed to either of those services. Um, on Xbox, we've got Overcooked and Stuntman Ignition. I I've played a lot of Overcooked with my family. Like it's a it's an amazing family game. Um, I think yeah. this is a great option for people like if they want to try and get some kind of uh xbox in over christmas particularly like if you can if you've got this for free and you can take it over to your family at christmas like it's it's quite easy for people to pick up even if they're not that used to like using a controller avoid playing with kids because they're rubbish at it yeah that's true yeah if you want (laughs) to actually get any achievements ever like yeah don't don't play with kids um it's quite it's it's a fairly tough completion i think if if you're either trying to play with kids or trying to do it yourself um it's not that easy to do on your own you just got to get the communication down and figure it out and you're like who's chopping what and who's gonna because it starts off straightforward and then Later levels, they're throwing all sorts at you, and the levels moving, and they'll yeah. be do tricky things like one of you'll have to cut meat on one side of the level, but the the frying panel will be on the other side, so you have to throw things to each other and stuff. It's just busy, busy game where communication is key. So kids, not the greatest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as for um, stuntman ignition, I I haven't personally played that at all. Um, I, I remember stuntman. Uh, on mobile back when i had a motorola little flip phone uh i was blown <laughs> away by being able to play a full game of stuntman on my phone but i don't I, somehow i don't think stuntman ignition is going to be quite that level of like top down pixel art rubbish that i played when i was at school <laughs> so yeah it'd be interesting to try it out um and then on the, yeah the ps plus side um we've got laser league and friday the 13th so like the two ps4 ones um, which is interesting because both of those games, the developers have had a nightmare. Um, the the developers for Laser League have actually disappeared. The the publishers are basically handling all of that. I've heard it's good. It's just it just didn't get the audience. Um, so that's interesting. And then Friday the Thirteenth as well. The developers had to cancel all future yeah, DLC yeah. because <laughs> they didn't have the license anymore. Um, so it's interesting. I tried to play Friday the Thirteenth. Um, couple of days ago um when it when it dropped on ps plus and to be honest i really struggled with it it's it's it was a very buggy experience i struggled to get a game even though it just gone free for for so many people i, I wasn't even we finding people it when it first came out on the xbox one yeah, yeah I, I don't have fun memories of playing it no today. it's a great idea like i like the idea that you know 
you, it, I guess it's a bit like Evolve was, which is another one that failed. Yeah. Um, it, where you've got, you know, one person being the antagonist and everyone else trying to, trying to like escape or, or take them down. But it just, it just seemed very, uh, jaggy, very buggy. Um, and one of those multiplayer games where no one really knows what they're doing. There's not like a core audience there to like start to actually play it properly. Everyone was just kind of running around and not, not working out how to do it. So it just, uh, it's, yeah, because you, you've got to go finding parts to escape and things. Yeah, like that. yeah, basically. Like yeah. You basically. When I played it, everybody just smacked Jason exactly repeatedly. And yeah, him over I guess it's it's almost something. a bit like Assassin's Creed multiplayer used to be. Like there is a, there's supposed to be a set way that you're trying to do it. There's a proper way to play it, but clearly there's also just a way to play it like any other first person shooter where you just run around yeah. and just try and just murder everyone and it, it never works and it's never satisfying. So, so yeah, it's, um, they're interesting, but actually I think the, um, the other two games on PS plus are more interesting. So we've got the bridge and 2064 read only memories. Um, the bridge is on PS3 and PS4 and 2064 is on Vita and PS4. Um, the bridge was a games with gold a while ago. Um, and it's a bit like braid, um, in that there's like a rewind mechanic, uh, puzzle element to it. Um, but it's all kind of based on almost like Escher, like maze puzzles where the perspective keeps changing. Um, and you kind of rotate the levels and, um, get this little professor guy to try and get to the exit without getting killed by like obstacles falling on him and stuff by like constantly rewinding and adjusting the level and like flipping him around or like uh, inverting the whole level. It's, it's got some really interesting, like mind boggling kind of uh, levels as you go on. Um, and I know on TA, there's a great uh, walkthrough for it at the moment and and I'm working on one for, for TT at the moment as well. So it's not too challenging a completion either. Um for like because you can just obviously watch all the videos and get the exact steps to do it but i think it's worth worth a look anyway on its on its own and then 2064 read only memories is like a really old-fashioned uh point and click adventure like it looks like a like amiga or pc like 80s sci-fi point and click adventure with like text down the bottom so i'm I'm interested to give that a go because i did grow up on a few of those games um and i've heard a few good things about this one so it looks like as well it's going to be a relatively easy um completion probably one it's one of those indies that i think would probably end up probably end up on games with gold at some point as well a lot of times i've noticed recently especially like ps plus and games with gold ends up uh kind of crossing over not necessarily on the same month but like later on that kind of thing tends to turn up on both so one to look out for um if it ever comes on games with gold as well a couple of bits of site news so TA playlist for October has started. Um, we're playing Metro 2033, which should be pretty cool. I think it was Games with Gold um, a while ago. So I think most people will have it. And even if it, if they didn't get it for free, it's been like £2 surely in every single sale since it came out, I think. like I think I bought it uh, on 360 and on Xbox without the Xbox One without ever playing it because I just saw it and it was two quid and I thought, oh, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll pick that up. So I, I imagine quite a lot of people on TA have probably already got Metro in some form. But yeah, one one thing to mention that, that Mark's mentioned in the forums is that we're we're putting the podcast element of playlist on hold for now because uh, we weren't neither of us are really finding time to 
to kind of invest the amount of time we wanted to put into that part of it. But all the forums are still there. Um, we'll still all be jumping in and discussing the game with you. So, um, so yeah, so please keep, uh, yeah, leaving your thoughts and, and having a chat in the, in the forums and, and me and Mark will be in there, um, whenever we can. And the other site news, this is for TT, but it might interest people on TA if they have got a PlayStation they want to dust off, um, is that we've got the fifth birthday challenge on True Trophies at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is the same kind of deal as the 10th birthday challenge that we had on True Achievements, where you need to spell out happy birthday True Trophies using the first letter of a trophy that you unlock. So if you unlock a trophy beginning with H, then you'll tick off the first first H in happy birthday true trophies um and basically you need to kind of go through in order and spell out the whole the whole phrase um and if you do you get a shiny community badge you can unlock other achievements in between you just have to make sure that at some point in in it in the um sorry the trophies um at some point <laughs> in the <laughs> at some point in in the trophies you unlock you have to kind of unlock all of the letters of happy birthday true trophies uh, in order so yeah, it's it's a lot of fun and it's uh, one of those challenges where there's not a lot of kind of competitive pressure. So it's kind of one you can do at your own pace. It's a good way to unlock a lot of trophies in games that you might not have um, might not have spent too much time on before. Um, I finished it off last night with a game called My Name is Mayo, um, which is also the game that our first completion from uh, Najin Sale, I think his name is. Uh, sorry if I've mispronounced that but yeah so our first person to unlock uh the birthday challenge i noticed that he also used my name is mayo to unlock a lot of the trophies basically it's a it's a clicker where you just tap a jar of mayo repeatedly um and every maybe 100 clicks or so you get a trophy that's and it but there's like a weird storyline in the background as well that's really really odd um but it happens they like in a good order for the competition as well yeah well this is the thing is that they've got lots and lots of trophies and quite a lot of um lots of different uh kind of initials and a lot of relatively unusual initials as well so you can unlock not quite everything but you can unlock quite a lot of the um, lot of the trophies that you need for to spell it out. Um, How much is that game? Oof, I mean, I think it's uh, it's not much. I think it's maybe. I think I got it for two pounds or something. Uh, I think it might have been on sale, but it's definitely one of those ones that if you're really desperate to uh, well, get somewhere in a no competition, PlayStation. I've got a couple of PlayStation games, you know, from the PSN last month and this month. But some of it, like one of them's got a while, looks long and stuff like that. So if I can get it done easy for cheap, I might do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's a bit notorious on, on PlayStation in general that they had a period where there were a, there was a lot of stuff that was just basically trophy farming. Um, was that the game that finally did the rule that you can't have a platinum? No, that was one where the title was literally something like Get an Easy Platinum or something. Like It was just <laughs> called like a thousand trophies of, of i can't remember exactly what it was but it it was just yeah you, you would turn it on and it just unlocked a bunch of trophies but. <laughs> sounds like steam yeah, yeah yeah it's a bit like that um but yeah so i can't i'm not sure how much it was uh, i can't see it off the top of my head but yeah it's there's a good i would say at least eight or ten games like that around on playstation that you can get for super cheap that will just 
give you all sorts of trophies straight away. So mm. if you have no shame, <laughs> that's the uh, that's yeah, the way absolutely. to go. <laughs> I'm only, I'll only be doing it just for this challenge. Like I want to yeah. get involved, but I yeah. haven't got the games to do yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a, I, I like these kind of challenges because you can use the power of the of the site uh, to help you find stuff. And obviously, people have found these games on trophies, which are extremely easy. Definitely. Um, yeah. Okay. So we did some streams this week as well. I wasn't here for two of them. I was out of the office. But Jack did do them. And he one of them was Hover Night. Is it Hover Night? No. Hello Night. Hollow Night. Because the other game did Hover, Hover and Hollow Night. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, he said it was good. He said it enjoyed it. And I know there's a lot of, there's a little bit of hype about it. At least I've seen a few things online, reviews about it. Um, and I think you've played it as well, Sam, haven't you? Yeah. So I've, I've started it. Um, so yeah, basically it came out, I think originally last year on Steam and it did quite a, quite a decent bit of business on there in terms of like reviews and stuff. But I think the reason it's picked up this year is because it came out on Switch and obviously everyone's desperate for, for, good indie games on the switch so all the podcasts have been going crazy about it um but yeah i started it it's it's gets a lot of comparisons to dark souls but i think yeah. that that shouldn't put people off because i wrote a wrote a little guide um to starting the game on on tt um and that was kind of my first point is don't don't like worry too much about the dark souls comparisons basically it's got the same thing where you can uh if you die you lose kind of your currency and if you you have to go back and find like where you fell in order to get it back um although in this case you actually have to fight a kind of shadowy version of yourself to get it back but other than that it's not anywhere near as complicated it's it hasn't got like um the obtuse like rpg mechanics it hasn't got like worrying about your poise and your weight and your kind of distribution or anything like that really apart from that one mechanic it's more of just like a classic castlevania metroid kind of platformer where the the main kind of joy of it is you unlock a new ability and you walk back through the areas you've been in before and realize that you can now unlock lots of secret paths and it's all just really about exploration and it's just it's um it's a very pretty game it's uh it's got um like some really lovely music and uh it's got a lovely art style it's all it's all 2d but um yeah it's just it's a uh, surprisingly yeah not as intense as i thought it was going to be at least not straight up from the start i think it will get a lot harder as things go on but um worth having a look out for for sure um and i think that um it'll probably feature in a lot of people's game of the year discussions as well so um nice. yeah I'm, I'm interested to carry on with it yeah, I'm interested to play it. The art style, as you say, looks really nice. And I'm yeah. just a sucker for Metroidvania games. So I will probably play that at some point. The the Hover game, I, I kind of was in the chat for that one. And I don't know a lot about it, but I know a lot of people in chat were saying it reminded them a lot of Jet Set Radio, which I know is a really well-regarded game from years ago. And apparently, I think some of the developers of that game are involved in Hover. So I don't know check out some videos or something for it and see it. it kind of looked like the traversal mechanics of sunset overdrive mm -hmm. yeah that's okay it was just kind of like grinding and skating round mm -hmm. and but like it was like challenges you know you had to go through points on a map and do laps and things like that so then i'll check out some videos so we did two more streams on thursday and they were think of the children and pizza titan ultra think of the children's kind of like uh overcooked with kids you have to manage some kids and stop them dying, basically. <laughs> so you spawn on a map, um, and it's got local co-op, so you can spawn in with your friends if you want. Um, and basically, there are like 
up to six kids on the map with you. You're the parent, um, and you can pick them up and throw them, actually. You can throw the, ch- the child across the map if you want without any harm to the child. But the, uh, the objective is the ga- of the game is to remove them from harm. So there'll be a few different things on the zone you're in which can attract the kids and uh, end up killing them. So you had... Um, Basically, there's a beach level where all the kids instantly just swim out to the ocean. You know, one of them gets mown over by a speedboat. One of them's getting attacked and pulled apart by seagulls. You know, one of them's messing around with a barbecue or something. You know, so it's, <laughs> it's very hectic gameplay. You've got to constantly be looking for kids potentially damaging themselves, <laughs> which is, you know, <laughs> it's a fairly unique concept and it's quite funny. And Maybe easy. not so much of a family game as Overcooked then. No, if probably not. No. Child death. <laughs> no, there's, there's no blood and gore, in, interestingly. Uh, okay. There is child death. Right. So probably hmm. not. Um, okay. But um, yeah, it's, it's quite unique. I mean, it's, it's in a similar vein, as I said, to, to these kind of Overcooked style games, party games. Um, yeah. And there's a few different maps. There's different objectives on each map. So you're in the airport for one of them and you've got to find your passport, go through security, buy some like stress pills from the shop <laughs> um, <laughs> while trying to manage these six kids who are just messing with people in the airport and stuff. And uh, you've got an embarrassment meter as well, which is quite funny. <laughs> so your kids will start going through people's luggage and stuff and it doesn't kill them, but it will just increase your embarrassment. Um, right. So yeah, if you like Overcooked and you've got a few mates to play with, then worth picking up, I'd say. Um and then Pizza Titan Ultra, which is a kind of difficult to describe game. It's kind of arcade style. Um, and you play as a huge mech, like uh, if you've seen Gundam Wing or right. those kind of shows. You're a huge mech, but you, you don't fight stuff. You deliver pizza. Um, you have a kind of isometric style world, which you spawn into, um, and you can destroy everything. You, you can run into buildings, you know, um, pick up skyscrapers and stuff. And... Um, Essentially, the the name of the game is to deliver pizzas on time, Um, which is, you know, like the first game, fairly unique concept. Um, But the gameplay itself doesn't offer too much. I mean, it's um, it's just running around, destroying stuff and delivering pizzas, really. Uh, And there are a few different kind of mini games you can do. Um, So whenever you find a certain item on the map, you can kind of like build your own pizza. (laughs) I don't know why they, I don't know why they added that in, but it's just another little thing. It's just a whole separate part of the game where you build a pizza with different toppings and then slice it. And and that's it. Um, It was all kind of confusing to me, as you can tell, but um, certainly unique. I'll give it that. Um, And the achievements come easy as well. We got five achievements for 200 gamer score in an hour, which is not bad at all. So worth picking up if you like Chiefs, which you probably do if you're listening to this podcast. Next week, we've got four more ID games. Uh, Catastronauts, Neon Wall, Fishing Sim World. I can't wait for that one. Oof. And uh, <laughs> I Am the Hero. Um, none of which... You're starting the week with another game like Overcooked, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah, we are. I know you've probably seen footage of it. I've seen footage of it. It's um, Catastronauts, which is Overcooked in space, basically. Um I mean, it's 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 verging on ripoff territory, in my opinion. Like even the characters look very similar, so uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, you've got fire extinguishers and stuff as well, and the fire extinguishers yeah. just—they look exactly the same. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, why not uh, try overcooked in a different uh, atmosphere? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> got a few kind of rogue questions to address from you guys. 
Ian Triplo says, why do you think FIFA 18 still hasn't dropped into the vault? Is it a World Cup tie-in? Do you think it helps slash hurts slash doesn't matter? Dave, you're the resident FIFA guy, at least in this podcast. <laughs> it seems a bit odd because they normally release it a few months before the latest one released, and obviously FIFA 19 released last week. So the only thing, I, like you say, is the only thing I can think of is there was that World Cup kind of update that they added to it that added quite a bit of content. So maybe they, they're not able to, something to do with the license for that or something like that. But it seems odd that the new one's out and the older one still isn't in. I don't think it's going to hurt it. Obviously, people who wanted to play it will have bought it, surely, yeah. within a year at some point in the various sales and things like that. Yeah. Got a lot I of actually, um, I actually had a question for you, Dave, about Fever Nineteen. Um, I noticed okay. that a lot of people were searching for the Hoop Dream achievement and trophy. Do you, have you got yeah. that at all? Because I know you've been playing Fever Nineteen. No, I only started it last night because I've been hammering Assassin's Creed for the review. Right, it's a, an achievement in the journey. Right, where there's a certain point where you've got to kind of kick. A basketball through a hoop. Ah, uh, okay. For a three point. I'm guessing it might be a bit tricky then, because a lot of people are searching for it. Yeah, I'm guessing it's. Uh, I'm sure there's some kind of trick to it. Like there's normally is in these things. Isn't there some somebody will find the perfect power and aim and stuff that you can kind of copy in a video. But I think that's probably. And I think it might be kind of missable. You know, if you don't finish the, if you don't do it in that bit of the story and you kind of move on, then you'd have to play back through the whole thing. The journey again. I don't, I don't know how far how far it is. It might be early. I'm not sure. But mm, interesting. I think people are hoping to get it quickly rather than having to play again. I guess. <laughs> okay. Last question comes from Stanley, and he says, even though Horizon is the best open world driving game on the market, the genre is becoming a bit saturated. With the achievements being significantly less time consuming than Horizon Three, do you see it having less lasting power? Try to take your UK bias out. Um, uh, <laughs> As you suggested. Uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how dare you? Um, no. I kind of mentioned this in the last week's podcast about kind of a, addressing the, the staying power of, of the different Forza games. Because mm. at, the base of, at the base of what the Forza is, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You know, I mean, it, they, they add a lot of bells and whistles on and they, they change up some stuff. And obviously, it's a completely different location. But... Um, I don't know. It's it's not necessarily. I'm not necessarily talking about the achievements. I'm just. I don't know. I think maybe the staying power is getting less and less because essentially the base game is the base game, which is you know an excellent driving game. To be fair, but um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, like I never, I've never really been into car games, racing games at all. Um, when Horizon Three came out, it blew up on like social media everyone uh was was going crazy about it on in reviews and stuff and a lot of people were saying even if you don't normally like racing games try this out mm. which is why i picked up horizon 3 and i think that that might have been why there was a lot of hype around that one as well um but coming into horizon 4 i as a kind of casual player haven't really had like i haven't really felt the need to get horizon 4 because i've still got 3 and it's not necessarily showing me anything new um, as someone who's not like super into the genre. So I, it, then, then that might have an impact possibly. Obviously that's only my perspective, but it might be that some of that kind of hype from last time where a lot of people were kind of piling into Forza Horizon for the first time mm -hmm. 
that might die off a bit because it's less kind of new for people that are new to the genre um, because it is kind of a very similar um, similar mechanics and similar vibe. Um, so yeah, I, I personally I haven't I haven't felt compelled to to get involved with it yet, even though I've seen everyone's rave reviews um, and all the videos and stuff. It just I kind of do feel like well I I still haven't completely exhausted three, um, so I have got that to kind of go back to if I want to play that kind of thing. For me, I think. Like, obviously, I like the game. I like racing games and stuff like that. But I've never bothered with all that, you know, for the achievement stuff, like, do all the championships, and it kind of artificially inflates the game Mm. time, making you play it for 200 hours instead of the 40 that you wanted to or whatever. So I I think probably, though, the the achievement hunters are such a, a low number of people, you know, compared to the overall players on Xbox Live that, you know, there'll be people who love racing games and just play it every day for the next year definitely in terms of achievements it's gonna people will move on quicker but i would it'd still be a game for me where i'll kind of you know drop in and out throughout the year especially with you know that dlc is coming and they've got a roadmap showing new updates and things on the way so yeah it'll be something i still pop into but it'll probably be equal to three because i never bothered with all that over the top kind of stuff yeah, and there's the fact that it's on Game Pass as well. Like, if I, you know, if later down the line I do feel like, oh, you know what, I feel like upgrading from three to four, it's not going to be a big investment for me to to do that. If a new piece of DLC comes out, if there's another like Hot Wheels equivalent where it just looks amazing, I can just, you know, pick up Game Pass for for a month and give it a go. So I think there might be more lasting power f- um, uh, from that perspective, like rather than necessarily just from the game itself. That reminds me, actually, we had a really good question about Horizon 4 from Dave Crow on Twitter, and he was kind of asking us to look into if, you know, the, a big difference between, like, the player base, you know, now that it's on Game Pass, you know, to, say, Horizon 3 at this point in time in its release. And it's something that we, I think we might look into in an editorial. So we'll look into them stats and try and figure something out. It's going to be, you can't just compare the two directly, obviously, because it's a bit, One's free, one wasn't, but we're, we're going to try and see if we can pull some stats out and look into yeah. it, and I'm sure Mark will find an interesting way of putting it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I'm one of those people, though. I think I've, I've, I'm, I've downloaded uh, Horizon 4 on my Xbox. I'm going to play it this weekend, probably. Um, but I, um, I, I probably wouldn't have done it if it wasn't on Game Pass, to be honest. Mm. Uh, yeah, well, it's ideal, isn't it? Like, if you're not a racing fan and you can kind of appreciate it for... You know the things it does really well, but you know it's not a game that you're going to sink, you know, hundreds of hours in or anything. Then getting the chance to just download it and mess around with it for free is amazing compared to you know barking out fifty quid and mm. seeing how it goes. Yeah, thing. yeah, for sure. All right, I guess that is it for us this week. Mm-hmm. We'll get in touch with the winner of the question of the week, Kersol. So I'll be in touch with you on Twitter. Let us know, please, any feedback from the show. Did you like? a big discussion about one game and then a couple of lesser topics let us know and we'll try and keep working it out and get something where we're all really happy with it but that's it for tgm podcast episode one thanks for listening bye bye